Happy Thursday, y'all. It is about that time for NSN Daily. Today on the show, another group of prep standouts putting pen to paper. We're going to head to Reed High School for the latest local college signing ceremony. I think I feel a little silly going against Miami, but I'm probably going to do it here in this series. And VSIN host Femi Abebefe is back on Daily, getting us set to bet the NBA Finals and more, including his picks for Major League Baseball's MVP. We had to watch and wait, and then when they crossed the line and we saw they ran a 335 flat, we knew we were in. Plus, the Wolfpack's historic 4x400 relay team is in the house. We're going to sit down with the squad before it heads to next week's NCAA championship meet in Austin, Texas. All that and more right now on NSN Day. You know what it is. Hello, friends. Alongside Chris Murray, I'm Mike Stephenson. And from our champion Chevrolet studio, this is NSN Daily on a Thursday on the first day of June. Yeah. Cannot believe we're into June, Chris. Uh, NBA Finals start tonight. That That's usually true. means June. So, uh, yeah, we've been zooming through this year and still plenty to talk about. And the Wolfpack season is still going, too, as we have that 4x400 team in the house on today's show. A lot of NBA Finals talk. But we're going to start things with the preps over at Reed High School. We're going back to... A day ago, there was a big signing after school yesterday in the Reed High Gym. How about 18 Raiders putting pen to paper, signing those letters of intent to compete at the collegiate level, including Spencer Firebaugh, the standout running back. He will suit up as a walk-on for the hometown Nevada Wolfpack. There's Mackenzie Kelly. She's a gymnast and will compete at the Division I level at Southern Utah. Then you have the standout softball player, Carolyn Glover. She'll head to Louisiana Tech. So three Division I signees, a bunch of others uh, going to JC route, uh, other levels. We got soccer, we've got lacrosse, Chris, we've got volleyball, even Reed's standout wrestling team with a couple gals going to compete collegiately. Uh, you don't always see 18 signed, though. That's pretty good stuff. That's a lot. That's a, you know, a high accolades for Reed to be able to send all those athletes up to the next level. Hopefully they have a ton of success and they can uh, come back to Northern Nevada and kind of be that proof that you can play at the next level if you come from, you know, the smaller area of Reno. Yeah, this was kind of fun at the end. Not all of them had papers, and so they were kind of faking it. Some of them had already <laughs> signed, admittedly, and so I had to get some video of that because yeah. this was more of a commitment ceremony, there if you go. will. And afterward, we had a chance to talk with those three Division One-bound athletes. I played for Wolfpack when I was a little kid. It's always been my dream. I went to all these games. I was like, I want to play at Mackey. And then when the opportunity came, I was like, I'm staying home. It's awesome to see that they're giving local like kids more attention because before it used to be just, oh, all these out-of-state kids, and we would just go there and watch the games. But now that we're going to be able to play where we grew up, it's really going to be like impactful for us and like set the way for the next generation coming up as well. I'm really excited. And it feels good because I've always wanted to do college gymnastics and it's kind of like a stress reliever now that I have somewhere to go because you can only do gymnastics for so long. I'm really excited to continue the next four years at a school where I, the, the environment is different and I'm just excited. I'm just very thankful for the people that have helped me get there. I couldn't have done it without my parents or my coaches and my family friends, so I owe it all to them. But other than that, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I love them. Like, parents down there so I'm just ex like excited and very thankful to have that kind of support system and obviously to play softball I mean that doesn't suck either 
That does not suck either. How about all 18 of those signees? There was technically 19 committed, but one of them couldn't make the signing ceremony. So shout out to all 19 of those Raiders set to continue their careers collegiately. Let's talk about the kids staying home. Spencer Firebot, boy, he was so fun to watch each and every Friday night in those uh, Raiders colors. Now he'll see what he can do in silver and blue. Yeah, and the big question was, would he get a chance to stay home and play for the Wolfpack as a preferred walk on somebody who has a chance to earn a scholarship? Obviously, the size is the biggest concern yeah. with him. He's listed at 5'9", about 170 pounds, but the production was not a question. He had seven straight games last year where he rushed for at least 230 yards and multiple <laughs> touchdowns. You add it all up, 2,348 yards, 31 touchdowns. He had six games with three-plus touchdowns. So certainly super productive and great to see him get the chance. Like Ken Wilson has said, the Nevada head coach, he wants to recruit locally. He is showing that not only by offering more scholarships than I've seen any local coach um, here, here with the Wolfpack, but also giving these walk-on opportunities. And you can say, well, it's a walk-on, but look at Reed it, by itself, their history of walk-ons coming to Nevada. You have, obviously, Austin Corbett, who everybody likes to talk about making it up to the NFL, but Jeremy McCauley was a two-year starter on the offensive line for Nevada. Trey Carter-Wells, very good special teams player, was a walk-on from Reed. So uh, hopefully Spencer can follow in their footsteps, become a starter, get a scholarship. This is the first step in that process. We'll see exactly how good he can be at the FBS level. Yeah, it was interesting hearing from his perspective on how they approached him and it was coach Vitawa, the running backs coach who first reached out and then he said in 10 minute increments after that initial text from Vi the rest of the coaching staff reached out to him so it just kind of shows that coach uh, that staff wide pursuit of him he said coach Sage got in front of him and said we want you to join the Wolfpack this is what we're going to do and we're going to treat you like any other guy like a recruit like a yeah. guy that's getting a scholarship and so I think that really uh, obviously meant a lot for Spencer well, to be able you to mentioned stick coach Sage as well Derek Sage the offensive coordinator went to Reed, Reed High School High so it makes a lot of sense and really cool that they did stagger out those mentions to make him feel very special and wanted and yeah certainly everybody wants a scholarship straight out of high school that's not everybody's path we'll see how he can do but uh, just that dedication to you know recruit locally and if you go out there and you're productive as a Northern Nevada football player at the high school level I believe and Ken Wilson is showing that he will give you a chance with the Wolfpack. You know, calling his high school highlights was always a lot of fun because you could have fun with the name Fireball. So I'm excited <laughs> to continue doing that in silver and blue, coming in like a Fireball. Okay, let's keep things moving now. We're talking Major League Baseball. We're talking a former Reno Ace, Tommy Henry, actually, with a few starts this year for the Reno Aces. Four of them, seven starts with the big league squad in this latest one, his best yesterday, Chris. How about seven innings of shutout ball? Yeah, also seven strikeouts. And this is not a high strikeout guy. This was his best pro start at the big league level. Had a handful of starts last year as well. This is the first time he's had a scoreless outing where he started the game. So, um, you know, if you look at the bumper crop of the young Arizona Diamondbacks pitch, I would say Tommy Henry, just in terms of stuff, maybe not the most elite. I think you would probably put Dre Jamison, Brandon Fought up there, probably even Ryan Nelson. But you look what he's been able to do this year, a 3.73 ERA over 41 big league innings. So he's getting guys out. That's a big reason why Arizona really pushing the Dodgers in the NOS. So yeah. really nice to see him have that good of a start. Tommy's first ever big league start, allowing zero earned runs. That was a 6-0 Diamondbacks win over the Rockies just yesterday. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, Chris is sitting down with Nevada's 4x400 squad, first 4x400 team to ever make the NCAA national meets in Nevada's history. We're chatting with all four of them coming up on NSN Daily. This segment sponsored by Champion Chevrolet. Welcome back to NSN Daily. I am Chris Murray, and we have a very special 
champion Chevrolet Wolfpack Athlete of the Month. This month is actually four athletes, so we're going to talk with two of them now and two of them in the next segment. It is the 4x400 relay team of the Nevada Wolfpack, which will be competing in the national championships next week. Uh, congratulations on that honor. First of all, Emily Costello and Caroline Rossi are the two seniors on the four-person team, so uh, congratulations on this honor. This is your second time that you've actually earned this honor. Yes, it is. So that Thank puts you, you in a very exclusive yeah. class. Uh, I want to go through the feeling when you guys qualified. So you were out at the West Preliminaries in Sacramento. You were in the first of three heats, so you had to wait through the next two heats to see if your time would hold up and send you to nationals. So take us through that moment, Emily. I mean, you know, it was really nerve-wracking, and uh, we weren't quite sure what was going to come with that last heat. And we knew that we could have the top three, which are automatic qualifiers, and the fourth place team could run faster than us. So we were really just hoping that that fifth place team didn't. And uh, we had to watch and wait. And then when they crossed the line and we saw they ran a 335 flat, we knew we were in. And that was that moment you just saw right there. Yeah, uh, Caroline, tell us a little bit about that moment. It just seemed like pure jubilation to know what you guys had just accomplished. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, however, like at the time, I wasn't completely there yet. So they had to like <laughs> come back and tell me. I was still like riding off of like the waves of the run. I was still very much tired from my run uh, being the last leg. So. Yeah, it was really exciting. In fact, like we came down, like the GA came down to tell me that like we got in and I think like it really like revamped me because I was definitely tired and like revamped me. She picked me up, we spun around, we screamed. It was really exciting. You guys ran a school record in that specific race. Actually, your last three meets have all been school records for the 4x400. So you guys seem to be peaking at the right time. I mean, Emily, for you, uh, having been to the West Preliminaries three times, actually get to compete in nationals next week. What do you think that moment will mean to you? And how satisfying will it be to you know, lace them up against the best runners in the, in the entire country? I mean, this has been the goal the whole five years that I've been at Nevada. And it is extremely special. And I wasn't able to make it out of the preliminary rounds on my own. And so to be able to get to do that with my team is just incredibly special. And I'm just so excited for the opportunity. And then Caroline, also for you, you are a senior as well, but your last two years at Nevada after you transferred in from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. So um, as you're running the last leg, you know everything's kind of on your shoulders. What, what are you thinking as you, uh, you know, do those last 400 meters to complete that mile run? Um, I'm really thinking, like, I have to go. Like, this is, like, all I have. I have to give it everything. And that's exactly why I did. I feel like I put it all out there on the line. I ran as hard as I could, and I, like, we PR'd, it like took all of us to do it, but like it was really nice to finish and know that we PR'd no matter what. That's the interesting part about the relay, obviously. All four have to run great races for you guys to accomplish what you accomplished. So how would you describe the bond that you have with your other three runners on this team? I mean, I feel like we have a really close bond and we all are friends off the track and on the track as well, even when we're competing against each other in the same heat. You know, we hug each other afterwards, we say good luck before, and we all are just in it together and we all run our separate legs but as soon as we're done and we're waiting for them to run their leg you know we're cheering them on we're watching i know we're out of breath but you know we try and give it our all and make sure we're there to support each other carolyn take me through your season because uh your coach chantel twig sitting over there she said you started on the b team so you worked your way up and the b team was a fantastic relay team as well so just to be able to see the progression you've made individually and as a team this year um it's like as the B team, like we really didn't get a chance to very run the four by four very often. So I think like it was kind of like 
the season was pushing up to it. I was ready for it. Like we got to Fresno uh, Invitational and she was like, we're ready to run it. Let's go out there and run it. And I just put it all on the line. I think that it really like showed how much progression I've had through the season, especially since I'm not really a flat 400 runner. I'm a 400 hurdler. Mm. So it's like it really did show like the progression because like, you couldn't really you can kind of see it in my 400 hurdles, but you can't really see it until you actually put it out on the track. So I think it was very like rewarding to know that I made it on the 18. Uh, Emily, I guess what will it mean to you to represent the Wolfpack on the national stage since Coach Twiggs came here 15 plus years ago? I mean, more than a dozen athletes uh, from her program have been able to keep, compete at the NCAA championships, but to be able to see Wolfpack out there again, it seems like every year somebody's always making it all the way to the national finals. Yeah, I mean, this is a historical moment and we are extremely excited for this opportunity and I, this is something I've wanted for so long and even just seeing our logo in the top 12 going to nationals is crazy and if you look at the east I think we would have placed eighth so that puts us around 20th in the nation which is huge so it's it's a really exciting time. Uh, Carolyn talk about coming to Nevada later on in your career and I guess what this chapter of your life and career has kind of meant to you. Well like coming from UMKC I uh, like they cut the team and so I went a whole year without like training so it was really like it was really nice for coach to like come in and like really put the work into me and like actually put the faith in me to run this and so like finishing out my season and finishing out my eligibility being able to go to national something that I've been like working towards since I was a child it feels really really special. What's been the reaction from friends and family after you guys did you did qualify? Um, well my family all thought this was my last meet and so they were all like sending me well wishes before <laughs> the meet and everything and then like when they found out I was going on they're like whoa um, Texas isn't far from St. Louis we could we can might make it oh nice so will you be able to run in front of friends and family as well will you be able to have people out there cheering you on yes actually my parents are both coming and then uh, my high school coach actually he lives in Texas now so oh, him cool. and his wife are gonna come and watch so that's really special for him to be able to see that moment so I'll be held in Austin Texas June 7th through the 10th uh, this will be two of the four relay racers for the Wolfpack, and we will introduce you to the other two right after this break on NSN Daily. This segment sponsored by Champion Chevrolet. Welcome back to NSN Daily. I am Chris Murray, joined with the other half of the 4x400 relay team for the Nevada Wolfpack that will be competing in nationals. It is Halen Senegal and Annalise Kalma, you guys are the younger ones on the team. We have a sophomore and we have a freshman, so congratulations on your accomplishment. I want to put up the picture that you guys took after you did qualify for nationals, so I'll start with Halen. I guess, what are your thoughts or just the emotions you feel when you see that picture and know what you accomplished? Um, I've been really wanting to take a picture with that ticket <laughs> because on my Instagram, every time I scroll, I just see other teams taking pictures with the ticket. So to be able to have that opportunity was everything. Yeah, did you put it on your Instagram yet? Um, I just posted it on my stories. So. Oh, okay. Well, we, I think that's worthy of a full post. Uh, Annalise, I guess your thoughts when you see that photo and I guess what you guys were able to accomplish in Sacramento and really throughout the whole season to, you know, put you into nationals. Yeah, no, it means, it means a lot looking at that photo and just like knowing all the emotions behind it. We were all just like euphoric and just so excited. And yeah, I can't wait to do a little post on Instagram too. <laughs> uh, nice, yeah, that's where you kind of do your celebrations. I want to get into your guys' backstory. So like I said, you're the younger ones on the team. Uh, a sophomore from Lake Charles, Louisiana. So walk us through 
coming to Nevada, how that all played out, and just you know what it's uh, meant to be a part of the Wolf Pack your first couple years here. Yeah, coming to Nevada was very unexpected. I was kind of having difficulties finding out like which college I was going to go to, but then I talked to Coach Twiggs, and I was like, oh, this sounds like the right place for me. And then I came, and we had our training and everything, and that was all going well. Then I got injured, so I didn't really have my outdoor season last year, so I'm a redshirt freshman this year. Wow. So it's just exciting to be running and running at such a high level after my injury. So I've loved my time here so far, and I can't wait to see what the Wolfpack has in store for me. So you've obviously come a far distance from Louisiana to Nevada, uh, Annalise, an even further distance. You're from New Zealand, so talk to us about coming over to America and I guess that whole process of being recruited. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was crazy, I think. Um, coming over here and running has always been like on my mind throughout high school. It was always kind of like a dream. Um, and so, yeah, just getting into the recruiting process, I loved talking to Coach Twiggs and like hearing her kind of vision and the way she coaches just seemed really like a good fit for me. And yeah, and I'm so happy I made this choice. It's been amazing so far. If you told me a year ago I'd be running at the NCAA Nationals, I would have thought you were crazy. So yeah, it's really exciting. What's been the reaction back home as they maybe see these videos on social media? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. My parents and friends and family have like watched all the videos and they're like crazy excited. My high school coach is over the moon. She's so excited for me, so it's uh, been great, yeah. Halen, what, what do you think it is about this team and this group of girls that uh, made them special enough to accomplish that and head over to nationals? Um, I think everyone really has like, they really just want to win, you know? <laughs> like, they're very competitive. We're all very competitive people, so we're always going to give it 110%. So I think just that mentality really makes us who we are as a team. I'm very curious about the baton handoff, because obviously <laughs> that is one of the most instrumental and important parts of doing a relay. So um, did you do a lot of relays over in New Zealand? And what is um, so important about the, bata the baton handoff that you, know, you guys have been able to craft? Um, yeah, back home I did a lot of relays, so I feel like I feel like everyone we all kind of knew how to do it and stuff. But yeah, it's actually it's pretty important during the race. It can like it can make up seconds, like couple seconds. So we've been we've been working on it. Me and Emily's change wasn't too good <laughs> <laughs> during during regionals, but we're working on it. We'll, we'll get it we'll get it there for next week. So yeah, yeah it's very important. Uh, yeah. When you think about what you guys were able to accomplish, just in terms of obviously making it to nationals, but putting your guys' name in that Wolfpack record book, to be able to break the school record at the Mountain West Championships by six seconds, and then better that by two more seconds in your next meet, the West Preliminaries. I guess when you see that final time on the scoreboard, I guess, what, what are you thinking about what you guys just did? Um, I think that anything's possible, because every time we break a record, it's just like, oh, we just gave it our all. But then we break it again, so it's just like, we always have more. So it, going into our next meet, we're expecting to break it again because we've shown ourselves that we have more in the tank always. Yeah. So. so you guys are actually a pair of freshmen. I'm sorry <laughs> for calling you a sophomore for this uh, you know, outdoor season. So I guess um, as you, you talk to your seniors, I know Emily Costello's been here for five years. To be able to accomplish that in your first year here, I guess, um, what does that kind of show you about the potential that you guys have within yourselves and, and you know, how, how difficult it is to get to where you're actually going to go next week? Yeah, no, it, it shows a lot. 
and just having like the seniors like Carolyn and Emily on the team and other girls like it really helps because they've got so much wisdom and yeah you can just show how much you're going to learn over the time here and yeah getting to the NCAA Nationals of our first like freshman year is insane so hopefully we'll be back yeah every uh, year. we have coach Chantel Twiggs right over there she's going to be on a segment later this week but tell us a little bit about coach Twiggs what she's meant to this team and what she's meant to you personally um coach Twiggs she is a staple for our team she steady steady motivates us to and to reach our levels that we've been able to reach so far and she doesn't put in our heads that that's all we have she always convinces us that we have more in the tank. So I just really think that mentality is very much needed on this team. Yeah. I mean, it's been very unusual just this winter. I mean, it has to be very difficult for you guys to even have trained this year to get to this moment. So Annalise, tell me a little bit about, you know, dealing with this winter and still being able to go out there and compete even though your track's been under, you know, mm -hmm. snow for a lot of the, the year. Yeah, no, it's, the winter was tough. It meant we had to get creative with our training and was a lot of grit sometimes. We had to get out there in the snow and the rain, the wind. But um, I think all the work that we put through the winter has definitely helped a lot and yeah. meant a lot. So, Halen, tell us uh, a little bit about what you're most looking forward to when you go over to Nationals next week in Austin. Uh, looking forward to compete with the best of the best. Um, I've always wanted to run against the best of the best. That's always my goal to see just how much I have. So that's and what I'm You guys will get a chance to do that. Uh, so your nickname is Kiwi, I understand. <laughs> yeah, uh, What's been the biggest adjustment <laughs> coming over here to the United States and how have your teammates kind of helped you through that? Um, biggest adjustment, I'm not gonna lie, I think there's lots of things different, but the food is very different. Yeah. The people are different, which they're good, like the people around me. <laughs> well, is um, the food good? The food is good, okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> Everyone sees the American food like, oh, but I love it here, okay. I love the food. Um, but yeah, no, the team's been really welcoming and really helped make it a smooth transition, so yeah. And that smooth good. transition will end at the national championship. So again, congratulations to our uh, champion Chevrolet Wolfpack Athletes of the Month, uh, Halen Senegal, uh, we have Annalise Kalma, and then we also have Emily Costello and Caroline Ross, who we spoke to in the last segment. So best of luck, and hopefully you guys are able to come back as All-Americans and accomplish all of your goals when you head over to Austin. Thanks Thank so much. You. All right, we'll be back uh, on NS and Daily right after this break. It is Thursday on NSN Daily. He's Chris. I'm Mike. We are getting set for game one of the NBA Finals. The Miami Heat as the eight seed taking on the top seed Denver Nuggets. Of course, Miami featuring the former Wolfpack standout Caleb Martin. Here is Caleb sounding off on his head coach Eric Spolstra ahead of game one. Man, uh, he's been huge in motivating us and um, just getting us right mentally, man. He, you can definitely tell he, he works on himself and the mental aspect of uh, he, he studies that, and he studies that. He betters himself on that. He takes pride in that. And to be able to relay those messages in a way to relate to us has been super important for us, and, you know, how prepared we are, not only physically but mentally. For sure. Um, I talk about it all the time. It's, you know, we got the leader, like you said, the head of the snake of our team. He's uh, got drafted 30th. I mean, he wasn't a lottery pick or anything like that. His, his path to get to where he is is very similar to a lot of ours. And um, he was um, very overlooked. Uh, coming up even through high school and college and those type of things. He um, didn't have all the five stars and all the Kentuckys and Carolinas going after him. So um, looking at a guy like that, um, he, he, he definitely gives you hope and also just puts it in perspective that it's, um, 
you know, it's about the long game. It's not about having everything at once. It might take some people two, three years. It might take some people nine years. Um, that, um, but just sticking with it and um, you know, continue to perfect your craft can put you in a great position. Yeah, he called me before I got undressed. What, what did he say? <laughs> and uh, is he coming? Yeah, uh, I don't know if he's. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely gonna be at some games for sure. I already talked to him about that. Um, I don't know which ones yet, but um, but yeah, he called me before I got undressed after Game Seven. Um, just hype, just screaming, just you know, what I mean, jumping up and down. He's like, you know, that's like my brother. So, um, you know, he was just as hype as my family was. He's uh, one of the first people to call me, and uh, yeah, man, that's my dog. So like, he's. Uh, super proud, super appreciative, and um, couldn't be happier. This is a special group, you know, that this group has been able to overcome a, a lot of different things, uh, handle a lot of adversity, uh, setbacks, um, things that have not gone the way we wanted it to go, uh, and instead of having that collapse our spirit, it, it allowed us to develop some fortitude and grit collectively uh, and give us something to rally around, uh, which was each other. Um, and those are, those are special qualities. We were just talking as we were listening through that soundbite, and we're like, how the heck is this Miami Heat team in the NBA Finals? Caleb Martin is a huge reason why. So he For talked sure. about Spo there, he talked about Jimmy Butler, and then he talked about his friend in the rap game, Jay Cole, who we've since learned was basically the guy that got Caleb to the Miami Heat. Just a, it's like a fairy tale story that it has is. them in the finals. Yeah, I actually put a story on our website today with a full interview with the Dan Levitar show with Stu Gotts and Caleb talks with them about when he was cut by Charlotte, he thought he was going to have to go overseas. Wow. And he thought that was probably the end of the NBA dream. He had to go make some money and the goal would have been always to come back to the NBA. But once you go overseas, it's a really hard path to come back. So that call from J. Cole to Miami Heat assistant coach Karan Butler paved the way for a tryout. He dominated that tryout. They gave him a two way contract very solid last year signs a three-year extension and this offseason now one of the most underpaid players <laughs> in the NBA and he even said on that interview with Dan Lebetard that everybody in the NBA can go out and score like this that might not be your role that might not be your niche but they're all capable of doing it with the injuries of Tyler Hero Victor Oladipo he's been given that opportunity and certainly has not shied away from it so unfortunately he's locked in for two more years not going to cash in big but if he's able to you know be wearing a ring two weeks from now he won't care about how much money he's making and if Miami's going to upset Denver. He's going to have to be one of the big reasons why one of the best players on the court. Incredible series he had against the Boston Celtics. And, yeah, you can see Chris's full breakdown of that interview on the Dan Lebertard Show, which Caleb on the Dan Lebertard Show, how cool is that? <laughs> you can see that breakdown at NevadaSportsNet.com. As we get set for Game 1, we're going to continue our NBA Finals talk in the next segment as Femi Abebefe joins us from Las Vegas. You know, he agrees with a lot of people up here that Caleb should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. We'll get his take on that and a whole lot more next on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily alongside Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson. We are in the Legends Bay Lounge powered by Circus Sports and it is time to say hello to our VSIN host and commentator down in Las Vegas. It is Femi Abebefe, also the co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast with Michael Lombardi. Femi, how's things down in Southern Nevada? Things are good. It's been kind of a quiet couple of days after Memorial Day when we had Game 7 with the Heat and Celtics, but uh, they're about to pick up with Game Number 1 of the NBA Finals, so we're going to get the Finals today, Stanley Cup on Saturday, so things are about to ramp up here as we head toward the weekend, so it's a, it's a good time here as always in Las Vegas. That's that, that is true. We're going to dive into Game 1 of the NBA Finals and that series as a whole in a second, but we do want to backtrack to Game 7 between the Heat and the Celtics as Miami was able to avoid 
losing that 3-0 series lead and get into the NBA Finals. We want to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, though, because a lot of folks up here in Northern Nevada thinking that award should have went to one Caleb Martin. He gets four of the nine votes. Instead, the award goes to Jimmy Butler. How'd you see this one? Well, I would agree with the folks up there in Northern Nevada. The former Wolfpack, Caleb Martin, deserved to be Eastern Conference Finals MVP, in my opinion. And it felt like we were headed towards that way. And it can honestly give us a little bit of a lesson, I'm sure, when we'll get into NBA Finals MVP. But just the setup of the Eastern Conference Finals, the first couple games, Jimmy Butler, I thought was terrific. But the most consistent player for the Miami Heat during that series was Caleb Martin and nobody would ever argue that I know Jimmy at times looked a little bit tired we were even kicking around whether he was hurt or so in the series especially after the way he played in game six where he both he and Bam Adebayo were really struggling from the field Butler clearly is the better player but the best player in those seven games was Caleb Martin and here's this for a stat Caleb Martin scored 135 points total on 60% shooting against Boston. Now, this is per CBS Sports. Only six players have scored more points on 60% shooting in a conference finals in the past 40 years. Those players, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Sean Kemp, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Dwight Howard. That's pretty damn good company to be in, and that's the company that Caleb Martin was in, and for some reason the voters looked the other way when – it felt like the whole momentum, and when you listen to the broadcast, Reggie Miller was talking about how, hey, Caleb Martin's the MVP, and Sam Van Gundy was saying it, and then you see Reggie Miller vote Jimmy Butler. You wonder what happened in between the game ending and when the votes had to be cast, but I thought Caleb Martin got snubbed. I didn't bet on it. I'm, I'm glad I didn't bet on it because I think I'd have been uh, pulling my hair out with little of it left uh, Monday <laughs> night, but, man, I really feel for the folks who had some big tickets, like 40 to 1 we're talking about on Caleb Martin to be finals MVP entering that game seven. He plays well but doesn't get the nod. So Miami moves on to play the Denver Nuggets. They will be a big underdog yet again. We've seen them be a big underdog and win series against Milwaukee and then against Boston. So I guess where is your lean? Where are you betting in terms of how this series will play out? Well, it really does feel a little foolish that we're sitting here once again as Miami as a big underdog after what they've done throughout this postseason. You mentioned it, the Bucks and the Celtics, probably the two highest power rated teams in the market all season long. Like those are the two best teams in the NBA, according to the folks who have skin in the game. And Miami took both of them out. And in the case of Milwaukee, they did it in five games. Now, obviously the asterisk, Giannis missed two of those games, but still, even when he played, they beat them two times though. So I think I feel a little silly going against Miami, but I'm probably going to do it here in this series. Now, the price of minus 405 for Denver is a little bit punitive for my taste for a team that's never been in the NBA Finals. I think I would want a little bit more pedigree to back a team at that level. Like That's like Golden State Warriors kind of pricing there. But I think Denver, they have the best player in the league in Nikola Jokic. They have the home court advantage as well, playing there in the Mile High City. And they also have a pretty good coaching staff. Like I'd give the coaching edge to Eric Spolstra, but Michael Malone is a really good coach, and he's been there in Denver for a while. So that team knows what they want to do. Like They know how to make adjustments. They know how to work through a series. And I thought that Miami really capitalized with that against Boston where Joe Mazzulla, it was his first time in that spot as a head coach in the Eastern Conference Finals. That big of an edge is not going to be there playing Denver. And Denver, I think they've just kind of been the juggernaut team hiding in plain sight. You know, at the two-third mark of this regular season this year, they were a juggernaut in the Western Conference, like playing really well, winning at a 65% clip or so. And then the final third of the season, Jokic, I know, started to take some more games off. He was dealing with a wrist injury. And the team just kind of went into this malaise to where 
I think a lot of folks were underestimating the Nuggets heading into the playoffs. I mean, there were a coin flip against the Phoenix Suns. I mean, a lot of people like the Lakers, another kind of coin flippish series, and they won both of those series pretty handily. So I think that while the story of the postseason has been Miami's improbable run to the finals as an eight seed, I think Denver being a juggernaut has also been something that's kind of gone under the rug there. And I think we're going to find out that this team was actually the best team all season long in a couple of weeks here. Well, and I think in listening to Coach Michael Malone, that's something that they've kind of hung their hat on, that not many people are talking about them how maybe they think they should be talked yeah. about, and they're kind of using that as fuel. So, yeah, hard to, I guess, bet against Denver, especially when you see those numbers. When you talk finals MVP, it's going to be hard to imagine Denver winning and Jokic not being the MVP. On the other side, it's going to be hard to see Miami win without Butler being the MVP. Very different odds for those two. So how do you see this finals MVP race going down? Yeah, as somebody who likes Denver to win the series, and I think a creative way to play that would be maybe Denver in five games or Denver in six. Try to shop around on that one to see if you can get the best price possible. But Denver to win going away, I think, would be how I would play it. Just because if it goes into a long series, maybe Miami has an edge in a seven-game scenario or something like that. But as, as far as finals MVP, I would kind of sit on the sidelines as of right now because I think there's probably only – three people who have a remote chance and probably two with a realistic chance to win that. And that is Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler. Jamal Murray might have a chance if he were to maybe average 40 in the series, but we saw Jamal Murray have 30 points on 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line in the Western Conference Finals, and Nikola Jokic won Conference Finals MVP running away because he just had a 30-point triple-double in the series. So like Murray can go off, but I think Jokic can still win. And with Miami's case, I mean, we just saw the ultimate setup for somebody other than Jimmy Butler to win finals MVP, and then they still gave it to Jimmy Butler. So it's always sexy to kind of look down the board and look at long shots, but I think you're just looking at those top two guys, and based on which team you like to win the series, that's where I would go. Now, let's see how the game plays out here in game number one tonight, because I think if Miami win the game, you might be able to get a cheaper price on Nikola Jokic. Maybe it goes down from minus 350 or so to maybe minus 275 or minus 250 or anywhere like that. Or Jokic, let's say Denver wins and Jokic just kind of has like a 19-8-7 and seven game or something like that to where he's not like putting up the gaudy numbers. And we saw that a little bit last year with some of the finals MVP markets with Seth Curry and Jason Tatum. Sometimes you can get those, those, uh, those punitive prices, they can come down just a touch to where you can get a little bit more value out of there. So I would kind of wait to see how the first couple games play out before getting into this market. But I think that you kind of honestly want to just cross everybody off unless their name is Nikola Jokic or Jimmy Butler. Like it, it's I hate to say it that there's no value in the long shot, but there really is no value because these voters tend to go best player on the best team and whoever wins the series will be deemed the best team so they'll go ahead and give it to their best player and that's Jokic and Butler in this instance so that would be my look but I'd kind of wait to see how things play out though and maybe get a better price later on. Speaking of MVPs let's go over to Major League Baseball about two months into the season I know you've got some tickets out on American League MVP candidates I'm a Shohei Otani guy I'm sure he was the decisive favorite early on before the season started and he's played pretty well but some other names have kind of popped into the race that you're interested in. So I'll preface my American League MVP comments by saying this. Um, 
I might have boxed my boxed myself in just a touch. Now, one way to where we can really start to have some fun is if one thing happens, and that would be a potential Shohei Otani trade. Of course, everybody knows he's in the last year of his contract. The Angels, we'll see if they can even resign him after the season. I think that would be doubtful based on what Otani would covet out there in the market. I mean, we're talking about a $600 million player with what he's able to do. I mean, hit at an MVP level pitch at a Cy Young level. He's literally a unicorn, and there's never been anything like it since maybe Babe Ruth way back when, a couple centuries ago. But Gosh, he really it's going to be tough to beat him. And and I and I acknowledge that I've sprayed the board a little bit here on the market, but he is just so good. He's he's the odds on favorite right now. I mean, think about that. We're 2 months into the regular season and we have an odds on favorite in an MVP market. That'd be like Patrick Mahomes being the NFL MVP odds on favorite in like week 8. You know, like that just doesn't happen, but Otani's that good. And I think the only way that one of these guys in the American League could beat him would be for him to either get injured, knock on wood. We hope that doesn't happen. We want, we want to see him be able to go out there and play because he's awesome. Or if he were to get traded to the National League, because if he gets traded to the National League, he's not going to win American League MVP. Now, you might be asking yourself, all right, well, then who can we bet on? Who would be able to kind of take some of that win probability away in that market if Otani were to go to the NL, let's say the Dodgers or the Mets or the Padres, one of those teams calls and then they tr make the trade with the Los Angeles Angels. I think we're probably looking at Aaron Judge. I for for an instance, I thought, okay, maybe it goes to one of the Tampa Bay Rays guys like Wander Franco. He's having an awesome season, leads the American League and wins above replacement right now, which is a statistic that's really correlated with who wins MVP. But Judge is quickly climbing up those ranks as well. He had some time on the IL list earlier, and now that he's come back, he's healthy. I mean, he's just been terrific. The guy's been on a tear, mashing home runs all throughout the month of May there. He's been beating up the Seattle Mariners this past week, and it's just hard to look past what Aaron Judge is doing. I mean, he's hitting home runs at the same pace that he hit last year, and he's already missed like 15 games or so. Like, if he continues this into the summertime, maybe he hits 65 home runs or something like that. But I think as of right now, we have a two-horse race, but I would also say that Wander Franco in the, of the Rays, he's going to be up there. And maybe Marcus Simeon, who a guy I have a long shot, long shot ticket on. Right now he's in the midst of a 20-game hit streak. If he can continue to accumulate war and the Rangers can continue to kind of win at a 105-game pace, maybe they become the story of the summer and Simeon ends up being the face of that team there. But as of right now, I think Otani feels like an insurmountable uh, lead and, and is, is a tough mountain to climb there to win AL MVP. Simeon, of course, the former Oakland A, that team heading your way. We'll save that conversation for another <laughs> edition of Femi on NSN Daily. Let's transition quickly to the NL race. So I know you did take a flyer on a guy that was a former star of our Reno Aces in Cattell Marte. Yeah, no, Cattell Marte, that was mainly a long shot bet there. I have 500 to 1. One of the sports books out here in Las Vegas was offering it. And I was like, well, this is a high quality player, a high class player. Let's see if maybe he pops. I know the Diamondbacks, a lot of people like that team heading into this regular season. So I was like, all right, well, he might be their face of their of their resurgence here. So that was kind of a long shot ticket. He's been playing much better as of now, but I think he started way too slow to be in this kind of conversation. But the conversation starts right now with Atlanta Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, what Acuna is doing has been unbelievable in the National League. He's been the best player in the National League. At one point, he had the highest war in, in the entire Major League Baseball. So right now, though, he's slowed down just a touch, but he's on pace to have 30-plus home runs, 60 stolen bases. I mean, that's just a ridiculous season from Acuna. 
Now, the one hang-up with Acuna and why he's not odds-on favorite right now like Otani is, he's around that plus 150, plus 125 range, is that he's kind of had an, a, a history with the injuries. Now, if, if he's unable to stay healthy, I think that opens the door for a handful of guys. And even if, if his play just kind of slows down a little bit, there are a handful of guys. This one, I think, is a little bit more attainable in terms of uh, someone down the board versus the American League where you're just pretty much hoping for a trade to happen to be able to go ahead and win that bet. But I think right now his biggest challenger is Freddie Freeman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I even tweeted about it the other night there because Freeman had a four for five night, hit a home run. He also is in the midst of a 20-game hit streak. So both Marcus Simeon and Freddie Freeman in their respective leagues there. But listen to these numbers. In the month of May, Freddie Freeman, he batted 400, six home runs, 17 doubles, his OPS is over 1,000, 26 RBIs in 28 games. Like, Freddie Freeman was awesome. He's won an MVP, used to play for the Atlanta Braves, but he's won an MVP before the voters know him, they love him. He's, like, one of the faces of baseball. Kind of a quiet guy, so he doesn't get, like, the sports center love and all that stuff, like an Acuna or something like that. But I, I think that his production speaks for itself and recently has surpassed Ronald Acuna Jr. in wins above replacement, both on fan graphs. And right now, for baseball reference, he's, like, neck and neck with Acuna. So if Freeman continues to play at this high level, we know the Dodgers are going to continue to be a really good team. Maybe he can track them down. And then there's also a dark horse candidate as well in the NL West. It's a guy by the name of Juan Soto. Like, Soto started the season pretty poorly. He was batting under 200 at one point there, but he has been on an absolute tear in May and has quickly risen up the ranks in war. His OPS has started to catch up to how he typically plays. If Soto can kind of continue to stay hot here and figure out this pitch clock thing, because I think that really threw him off a little bit as somebody who likes to kind of dig in, take his time a little bit. Now with the pitch clock, I'm sure he probably felt rushed, but it sounds like he's made the adjustment. I would say Soto is kind of the dark horse, like long shot guy, but a direct competitor to Ronald Acuna Jr. in the NL MVP race. My guess as of right now would be Freddie Freeman as we sit here in June 1st. All right, and with that said, yeah, June 1st, plenty of ball left to be played, which means plenty of time to still jump into that MVP market. Yep. He is Femi Abebefe, VSIN host, analyst, and co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast. Femi, we can't thank you enough for once again joining NSN Daily. We'll check back soon with you. Hey, no problem, guys. Best of luck with all the bets. Right back at you, sir. All right, we're back right after this on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily as we wrap up this Thursday show from our champion Chevrolet studio. Alongside Chris Murray, I'm Mike Stephenson. We're talking a foreign trip for Nevada's women's basketball team. We saw them go to Spain in 2019. You can do them every four years. So mm -hmm. they're doing another one, but they're not going to head too far away. Yeah, not too far away. They're going to Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia. They're going to play three games. The trip's from August 3rd to August 9th. So they'll play on the 4th, the 6th, and the 8th. They also right. get an additional 10 practices leading up to the tour. So the thought is, is you'll be a little bit further ahead than your competition when you start the season because of this experience. Certainly, it'll be very good for team bonding. It'll be very good um, just to be able to kind of create your routine a little bit earlier in the season. So always a great opportunity. I know Coach Amanda Levins thanked in a news release all of the boosters that made this uh, possible because yeah. obviously it can be a costly trip. But like you said, not going too far away. Vancouver right across the border in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm sure it'll be very memorable 
for all the players on the Wolf Pack roster. Those 10 practices are certainly valuable. And I have to say, when I saw this story come out, I, ha I had a moment where I thought, oh, is the men's basketball team ever going to go anywhere? Because they have yet to do that. Yeah, Costa Rica, if you go back to like Mus's first or second year, okay. but that's a long time ago. They've certainly been eligible to take a trip for a while. They are not planning on taking a trip this offseason. And I think a lot of the reason is, is how are you going to use that booster money? If you're Nevada, you want to pour that into NIL deals to keep your Jared Lucases, to keep your Keenan Blackshears, and to build up your roster that way. So maybe boosters donating to the NIL package rather mm. than the overseas trip. Ideally, you could end up doing both. Maybe in the future, it'll happen under Steve Alford. Interesting to see. But anyways, have fun in Canada, ladies. Bring us back something Canadian. <laughs> Big Home Alone fan right here. All right, we're back on Friday for NSN Daily. See you then.